0: You're about to listen to a Second City Works presentation brought to you in partnership with WGN Radio. Subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming platform or listen on WGNRadio.com
1: and be sure to share. The Second City is back open for live shows, classes and customized corporate workshops and events. But We also have all those things available in virtual formats. For more information, go to secondcity.com. Second City is excited to work with Amazon as part of their new and exciting app called Amp. Amp is a home where anyone can create live radio-style shows alongside some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry, including ours. Join the Second City live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central Time for our show, Second City Public Radio. SCPR is an interactive weekly lampoon of all things public radio. Each week, our host and an ever-expanding panel of Second City characters open up the lines to listeners from around the U.S. to ask questions and offer us opinions on a slew of wide-reaching subjects. Download the app, and don't forget to tune in. AMP, Thursdays at 5 p.m. Central Time. So this was a cool uh, conversation. I'm talking to DJ Vanessa. Who's an internationally acclaimed speaker for Fortune 500 companies, hundreds of tribal nations, and over 7,000 audiences nationwide? An enrolled member of the Ottawa Tribe of Michigan and a former U.S. Air Force officer, he inspires others to practically apply the power of the warrior spirit in business and in life. He's got a few books, and his newest one is called The Warrior Within Own Your Power to Serve, Fight, Protect, and Heal. Enjoy the pod. <coughs> The Second City is a world-famous comedy theater, and it got so famous because it has produced generation after generation of comedy superstars. That didn't happen by magic. Second City's improvisational pedagogy fuels great performance. And the same practices that made stars of everyone from Bill Murray to Tina Fey can be applied for success offstage, at work, at home, and in the world. I'm Kelly Leonard, Executive Director of Insights and Applied Improvisation at The Second City. This podcast is about collaborative conversations, seeking connections, and finding a better Way this is getting the yes and days can't be counted by the money spent. Today was just another better left unsaid. Days can not be counted by the time to rent. Tomorrow is just another, like the one that comes next. The J. Van Ness, welcome to the show. Thank you,
0: Kelly. Good to be here.
1: Uh, you open your new book by writing, quote, I grew up thinking that a warrior was a bright, shiny, iconic figure that was always brave, always strong, needed no help or encouragement from anyone, and always had the right answers. Warriors didn't cry, screw up, stumble, or experience fear or pain. This was a person beyond needing anything but the next worthy challenge. This, of course, was all BS, end quote. Yeah. So What is fact versus fiction when it comes to warriors?
0: Oh, my gosh. Great question right out of the gate. Um, First of all, I did grow up that way. And until I started learning what it meant to be a warrior in our traditional ways in my tribe, that was the image that I had. And it was based on the, the Hollywood stereotype, you know, the sweaty, chiseled figure that, you know, walks down the street and shoots bazookas and bullets and knocks down buildings and, you know, occasional surly looks at the camera. and what I learned in our traditions, in, in our tribal traditions, and in traditional ceremony, and from my elders, was that warrior role in our tradition was very different. Hmm. Uh, we call warrior a warrior, uh, warrior da, and that term has nothing to do with what we see on TV or in movies. It was somebody who, was ded- who basically uh, used their creator-given talent and ability and developed that over a lifetime so they could be an asset or a benefit to the tribe that they served. Hmm. It was somebody who was willing to fight for something bigger than self, somebody who was willing to lead by example, uh, somebody who asked the question, uh, not what could I get, but what can I do for someone else? And at the, the heart of it all, it was somebody who dedicated their life, their purpose to service. Uh, that was really what it came down to uh, in the end. And it was somebody who was not above, you know, beyond pain or, or needing help. We all need that. Uh, We need warriors uh, who can sustain in that fight of serving other people well and making a good impact. What we don't need is martyrs. Hmm. And that's what happens. We push ourselves into a corner when we don't ask for help. We don't ask for outside answers or assistance. We've got this. If it's, if it's up to be, you know, if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And that gets us into hot water really quickly. Um, so I, that's, that's what the whole book is about is it's okay to get that stuff because that makes us a human being. It doesn't mean that we can't be awesome at who we are and what we do. It just means we shouldn't be doing it alone.
1: And, and while I think that's probably always been true, it seems especially true right now. I was literally on a call right before this with my colleague, Jenna, and, and she, and she just like, she's like walking out in the street. Like people are in pain, like, like be- yeah. people are having a hard time right now. And I get it. And, and they're, it's happening in our classrooms. My wife yeah. is a college professor. It's happening there. And your book kind of starts at this place where you're feeling particularly broken, but, but someone who has got a lot of achievement. You, you were kind of period when you were, you were an active duty air force captain starting a family and new business and it was making you yeah. sick. Can you talk about it? That? was
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, r- running around with your hair on fire will lead you to nothing but a health crisis. Uh, it's one of those things that I try to do it all. Um, I had great intentions, but my execution was a hot mess. And that's sometimes what gets us into trouble. We can have you know, noble intentions to make a positive impact. But at the end of the day, uh, we can't be warriors if we're falling apart. And that was a painful life lesson, literally, uh, that I suffered through during that time. Because I thought I could do it all. I could do it all today. And I went until my body just had a complete revolt, and I woke up with what I thought was a heat rash, and it was the shingles. Mm. And um, I, you know, the doctor I saw had been practicing medicine for almost thirty years, and he he basically looked at me point blank and he said, "What are you doing to yourself? Mm. Uh, this is something you get later in life when your immunities aren't as strong, not something you should be getting at your age and your stage." And it, it got my attention, um, but it made me realize that uh, you know, I, one of the things that we are, are taught by our elders is the outdoors are our greatest classroom. Nature would teach us about everything. And and one of the things that nature teaches us is we're a lot more like bees and ants as human beings than we are like eagles. We need each other. Uh, we're better when we're with each other. Well, let me caveat that when we're with the right people, yeah. um, we're stronger, we're more effective, we're sharper, we're more resilient. And And yet when we get stressed out and anxious, that is the time that we are most in need of reaching out and yet it's the time that we are least likely to do so which really kind of boggles the mind and we kind of have to overcome that programming that's the moment we really have to reach out uh because we all need help we all struggle or we you know this past two years have just been nuts for everybody and everybody's hurting in some way everybody's emotionally compromised so this is where we need each other the most
1: it's interesting. I I don't, these podcast tapings are not timed in any way, right? Publicists reach out to me and, and I've now been, you know, in this community enough that they know who, generally who I might be interested in. Yeah. And so there's an uh, economist that uh, I'm interviewing in a couple of weeks, uh, Russ Roberts. He's got a, a econ uh, pod that's very popular. And his book is called Wild Problems. And basically his contention is even though he he is a scientist, he's like, any of the big, any of the big questions, the big problems, like, should I get married? Should I have kids? You can't solve that through scientific method. You can't because it's not rational. Having children is not rational, right? right? It's, it's for, for myself, I'm sure for you, one of the best in our our lives. Um, but that, and that's what your book seems to be getting at too. Cause like one of the things you say is a warrior doesn't go at it alone. Right. And, And like, none of us do. And I think that is a, it t- took me a long while, and, and I'd, I'm curious about this if that's with you, but it took me a long while to sort of realize that I was so hell-bent on individual freedom, not realizing like, I need everyone, and, and everyone needs me. Like, we right. do this together.
0: Yes. Yeah, mutual support. And, and yeah, that's what I say in the book. Warriors never fought alone. And, and we shouldn't. You know, our traditional warriors didn't fight alone. Why? Because when you're alone, your effectiveness diminishes tremendously. You know, it's, it's, what can you do with one finger? I have this in the book. What can you do with one finger? You can point at somebody, poke your eye out, pick your nose, give somebody the finger, but you can't open a doorknob. You can't take a jar off a pickle, you know, pickle jar. Uh, you can't hold somebody's hand. You know, this is things that we do better in a collective. And that's why our warriors never fought alone. If you want to be brave, surround yourself with bravery. You know, um, you want to be strong, surround yourself with that. We get to choose the tribe we surround ourselves with. And we need to do it by, you know, on purpose and with purpose because it matters. We live in a tough world. And if we are doing it alone, I'm here to tell you, you're doing it wrong. Right. right. And you're violating the laws of nature. Like I said before, we're a lot more like bees and ants. We are social creatures by design. We were made that way.
1: Yeah. Um, Marcus Buckingham was recently on the podcast. He has a new book called Love Plus Work where he, and and this has come up a few times where where, uh, this unlikely idea uh, of, of, uh, embracing love at work. Um, uh, you also, you say in the book, quote, a warrior leads with love above all else. So yeah. t- t- again, I think like the stereotype is so driven into us, uh, that you would never assume that that's part of what a
0: warrior would be. Would, that was, that was the fuel in the tank. You know, our warriors fought for the people that they loved. They defended their villages with their life. They would sacrifice anything that they needed to do to keep their people to keep our people protected and safe. Um, If you don't love what you're fighting for, why the hell are you fighting for it? I mean, that's really the question at the end of the day. We have limited time, limited energy, limited lifespan on this earth. If you don't love what you're fighting for, why is it even on your radar? Why are you wasting your time with it? You know, and sometimes we put vitriol, we put so much energy and it becomes vitriol when we're putting it into something that's negative. You know, these arguments and, and now it's like, you know, leadership is the loudest voice in the room, you know, and it's become, you know, there's a lot of toxicity. There's a lot of harshness uh, out in the world. I'm, I'm trying to bring benevolence back into especially leadership roles because it's so critical right now. We're hungry for that. But, but that's really the, the key. If you don't love what you're fighting for, why are you fighting for it at all? You know, yeah. this is something that when you love something, you're willing to go above and beyond. You're really willing to dig deep into that warrior spirit that we all have and bring that out into the actions that we take every day. If we don't love what we're doing, we're halfway doing it, and halfway efforts get halfway results every time.
1: So you're, you uh, were part of the Ottawa tribe? In, yes. And if I'm pronouncing it right, it says uh, Anishinaabe?
0: Uh, Anishinaabe, yep. Anishinabe. Um,
1: how, how do the tribes differ? Do they differ in large ways, small ways?
0: Yeah, Tremendously. Uh, we have over 575 federally recognized tribes in North America alone mm-hmm. and that speak 200 different languages and have different belief systems, different foods, different, you know, uh, wow. cultures. There's a lot of commonalities and it, and it came from the fact that we were so connected to our environment that there's a lot of things that we, we hold in common. Like, you know, life is all about balance. Life is all about connection. Mm-hmm. Um, There's power in creation. There's power in working together as a collective because we see these elements, you know, woven throughout nature. And like I said, that's our best classroom. Uh, But there are tremendous differences. And that's what makes what I've done over the last 30 years so much of a joy. I mean, I've worked with over 500 tribal nations from Arctic Circle of Alaska down to Florida and from Maine to Hawaii. And I love what I get to do for a living working in our tribal communities because we are also different.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's those different. I mean, I I I believe this certain in our work when we're building ensembles, it's our differences that are our greatest strength. Yes, for the for the, the reason you said before, because like we, you know, uh, there's this phrase. Of course, you know, you're only as good. Your group is only as good as your weakest member. And Sheldon Patinkin, who's one of our sort of elders at Second City, okay. uh, turned that turned that, and he said, um, "Your your ensemble is only as good as its ability to compensate for its weakest member, because one of you is going to be the weakest member at some time."
0: at any wow so that's a great way to look at it yeah. yeah yeah
1: and it's that that trade-off um another thing that struck me um i'm interviewing in a couple of weeks um cassie holmes who's a ucla professor and she stays happiness and it's called happier hours okay and she comes down to saying is happiness is all about time wow it's, it's and, and and you write in the book time is the most important resource we have and that's what she's saying, and she's and she's basically saying, look, we have time that we're that we're gonna have to work, we're gonna have to commute, that, that you know we can't get, but but the science so far shows that if you can get two hours every day where you can be doing something you love, which could be talking to your kid, it could yeah. be going for a run, whatever, if you can manage manage the two hours a day, you 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 got a shot like that. That's 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 a very good shot towards happiness. So I I love I'm that. that. Yeah. I'm curious, but in your world, when you think about time and it's clearly very
0: important, what does it, it mean is. to you? Great question, Kelly. I, I, you know, I I couldn't answer this quickly enough. Yes, the most important thing we have. And we sometimes don't learn that until later in life. Time is where we put our precious time defines every aspect of our lives. It defines our performance. It defines our relationships, our health, our happiness, where we are putting this time. That's why it's not just important. We're putting it towards the right things. It's absolutely critical. And the reason why it's critical is time is non-renewable. You know, we can have every other resource to a great degree is regrowable, rebootable, rechargeable. Mm-hmm. You can have a house that burns down, God forbid, you can build a new one. You can have a job, lose a job, get a new job, have money, lose money. You can get money again. Uh, you can even have love, lose love and find love again. That's what eHarmony and FarmersOnly.com are for, right? It mm-hmm. happens all the time. But time is the only thing we spend that we never get back. And so it's critical we're putting it in the right areas of our life and having that time. And I, and I love that idea of having a couple hours a day that gives us mental and spiritual breathing room. Mm. We live in a chaotic, tough age. Uh, information overload is normal. We're all running around like with our hair on fire, wondering what we're missing out on. You know, that, that term FOMO, yeah. <laughs> fear of missing out. Who the heck ever knew that would be something that, you know, is, is a reality in the world? Because there's so much stuff. Mm -hmm. But if we have that, that break, it gives us that mental breathing room. I I consider it to be like letting the dirt settle in our mud puddle, Mm -hmm. where we can see clearly again, what really matters, what's important and what the next right move is. We don't get that if we're living in chaos every day.
1: Yeah. And it's so noisy. Um, uh, I ran a video store in the eighties and I, I know there was a movie called Vision Quest. I, I don't think it. Am I right on this? Yes.
0: What was that I about? love that movie. Has nothing to do with the, the, oh. the ceremonial Vision Quest. Well, it kind of does, I guess, because he was on a quest. But okay. but uh, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, okay. great sports I, I, movie.
1: Yes, I think I, I rented it out to people. Uh, but you you actually tell us what the Vision Quest is in this book, and it was fascinating to me because I never heard, I never really encountered it before. Can you talk to our audience about that?
0: Sure, sure. Uh, Vision Quest is a ceremony. Uh, vision was held in such high esteem in our tribal communities that we hold it as sacred. Uh, to have an idea of what our life was all about, what direction we should be taking, how we should be using our, our talents and abilities was, was sacred to us. So we have ceremonies dedicated to figuring out what that is for all of us. Um, a vision quest is isolating yourself for a certain amount of time to, again, let the dirt settle in your mud puddle in a very deep, uh significant way so that you have clarity again in your life and and you know the my spiritual leader was Lakota uh CeeLo Blackrow was his name and when I did vision quest the, the Lakota people call vision quest yapi, which is to cry for a vision hmm. and you don't know why it's called that until you go out on one uh, four days four nights no food no water no shelter uh none of the things we take for granted It's all taken away. You're in an area the size of a tabletop out in the wilderness uh, during that time. And your whole goal is to pray for direction and guidance. And it was one of the most clarifying experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And uh, it's defined, I mean, even the work that I do today, it left an indelible impression on my life journey. Um, You don't have to go through that ceremony to get some of the benefit. Uh, I do a small version of that every day when I wake up in the morning. Uh, the first 10, 15 minutes, I just spend in complete solitude uh, to let the dirt settle in my mud puddle before I start stirring it up again. But the quality of our day, the quality of our decisions rises uh, very quickly when we practice that in our life.
1: It's just, it, the, 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 what's so clear to me now is, is, and I understand uh, why many of us um, fought against our 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 institutions that we grew up in, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 was a born, my parents raised me to be Catholic and I left mm-hmm. the Catholic church and I think for very good reasons. However, um, by abandoning all the rites and the rituals and the practices, um, we, we lose something essential. And I think as much as you write in the book, uh, quote, we're limping out of high school or college with our vision and tatters. That's yeah. because this, no one gets that. Yeah. And, and, and I think you have to experience the pain and the discomfort Again, boundaries good. We understand boundaries have been violated, all that. However, these other things are so important if we're actually gonna connect with the world, this larger thing, and with right. the people around us. And and I just don't think or certainly our young people in, in our urban communities, at least in suburban communities, are they're not getting this.
0: Yeah, and, and boundaries can become bondage. Yeah. You know, I mean we can limit ourselves so much that we start coloring in the lines with every aspect of our life. And we miss out on so much of what we could be doing or who we could become. And going through that threshold is, is painful, uh, but so is growth. Yeah. You know, a baby bird breaking out of an eggshell. You know, there's some, there's some force that's required there or a, a shoot breaking out of a seed. And, and yet we think as human beings, the growth that we are going to experience is going to be easy, smooth, nice. We're going to be warm and on the couch watching Netflix curled up with hot chocolate. It, it doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't. That's why so many of our ceremonies in our tribal communities are so tough and rigorous. Uh, people always ask, why would you go through that? You know, that's so hard to go without food or water or, you know, the piercing ceremony during Sundance. And the reason why we go through that is because when you are trading, we, we're always trading something in that ceremony. You're trading your comfort and your water and your food and familiarity with uh, what you get in return is growth wisdom, and transformation. Uh, we don't grow when times are good. We just don't. No, 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 we, no. we take it easy, but we, man, we can learn a lot about ourselves and the world around us when we go through challenge.
1: That's right. So so the rituals and the ceremonies, hugely important, but then I think probably even more so is practice. And, and that Definitely. is something you talk about over and over, and we do. like The, the, yes. the whole thing in improvisation right. is you, you, you don't get to be Stephen Colbert up on a stage or Tina Fey or any of those people creating inventive, beautiful comedy with no script, unless you are so keenly practiced in listening to the other person, responding to the other person, all those things that collaborating, all those things that need to happen when those six people get together. And then you think about the, the level of skill, uh, whether it's horse riding or, you know, all all that stuff, like, that's not something like someone just like did, got good at it,
0: and then they, they went on, right? They practiced all the time. Practiced and practiced and practiced. And the, and the people who are true practitioners, those ones who are in the elite level like that, that they make it look so easy. And that's what people kind of glom onto. They forget all the work, the blood, sweat, and tears that go into any activity to develop ourselves into what we ultimately become. I mean, we all have natural talent and ability. I mean, that's what did Stephen King say that's is common as table salt. Yeah. What What matters is how we channel that and discipline that to grow it in our own lives. So we can actually turn it into something that's an asset, not just for us, but for the tribe that we serve too. Uh, that doesn't happen automatically. I, I don't care how talented and abil- you know, how much ability you have, we have to harness the good stuff that we have or it never grows and develops.
1: How important I know the answer to this question, but I'm setting it up anyway. Um, It's the importance of storytelling, right? So scientists are telling us that people learn best through stories, but also we tell ourselves certain kinds of narratives that can be very self-defeating or very empowering. So talk to us a bit about your culture and where storytelling fits in.
0: Yes, I I am. I am so proud of, you know, our tribal culture is all based in an oral tradition. Um, I grew up with a lot of great storytellers, you know, none of our tribes had written languages So the way that wisdom and information was passed down was, you know, by sharing it through the oral tradition. So I use a lot of that in my book. I'm a big believer in the story, uh, because story is what sticks to our ribs. Uh, it's the things that we remember when we're stressed, when we're you know, freaked out, we remember those stories. And, you know, I don't remember most of what I took in thermodynamics class at the air force Academy, but I remember stories. My grandma told me when I was seven, Mm -hmm. you know, so, so there is power in that. And, and, I love what you said, Kelly, because we absolutely do live up to or down to the stories that we are told about ourselves and especially the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves. Yeah. Um, But the good part is we can change the story. That's right. And and that's one of the things that we sometimes forget is, you know, we're told who we are, what we're supposed to do, but we get to define that and we can change it.
1: We're not trustworthy narrators of our own stories, and 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 not of others. Uh, that, that that and so that that. But that is something that you and you never stop working on it, right? I mean, as, as I've gotten older, we shouldn't.
0: No, we shouldn't. It, it, yeah. I think
1: as as I'm sure you, as a young person, when I was a young person, was like, no, you get to a certain person, you ride this out. It's like, oh no, oh, God, no. That's, <laughs> the, the story becomes, you know, uh, in some ways more complex, in some ways less complex, right? Uh, and right. As, the less complex part is. You're going back to the things that you were taught in kindergarten, you know, about uh, being nice to each other and being kind and trustworthy. And so so, somehow that all fell off the track until you get a bit older and you realize, oh no, no, that was always the thing that was important.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, (laughs) that's a good way to look at it. It gets a lot more simple and a lot more complex. Yeah, Yeah. Cause we, we do have new challenges, but the simple stuff, especially as we get older, we start to realize we get that aha moment that the basics are still the basics The fundamentals are still fundamental. And that's why I've always been a fan of traditional wisdom, because it's like, oh, my gosh, in a chaotic, crazy world where the speed of life is the speed of light. Thankfully, some of those basic principles still work great. That's right. Um, You write in the book also,
1: quote, play releases us from our shackles, end quote. Um, I'm a lifelong theater person. Uh, tell Tell us about your experiences with play and why you think it's important.
0: We are always at best at our best when we are in a playful mindset. Always. We are more resilient. We, we deal with setbacks better. Uh, we're kinder to each other when we're in a playful state. When we start to paint ourselves into a corner and say, I've got to be perfect, I've got to be flawless, it kills creativity. It jacks up our anxiety. We are harsh to other people because if we don't feel like they're giving us the feedback we need, we start to get resentful. We start to get a little sharp. Um, so being in a playful state is one of those things that as kids, what a gift to start off that way in life. And then as adults, we t- start taking not only what we do so seriously, which, which is okay, but we start taking ourselves too seriously. And that's not okay. It makes us inflexible and stiff and rigid. And we're not able to change when we need to. So we need to put things in our life again on purpose with purpose that allow us to be playful um, to allow us to practice. That's the thing with comedy and improv. I mean, it's a constant evolution, a pivot a repivot. but what you don't ever want to do is stop, you know, and, and slow down and start because once you do that, you start to question, right. Mm-hmm. Did I make a right choice? Did I, and then all of a sudden we're living up here and we're not out here in the playful place anymore. And, um, man, I've, I've, I've had that experience so many times I, I'm at my best on stage Whether I'm writing or speaking, when I'm in a playful state of mind, and that's one of the things I always remind myself before I ever do a program, is this is play. They can't eat you, you know. Like it's like the stakes aren't that high, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I it wish depends I,
0: yeah it's <laughs> been a crazy two years anything is possible right
1: I wish I had actually consulted with my wife before this because my wife's a comedy professor uh, so um, that's she's a 10-year professor of comedy she runs the first ever BA in comedy writing performance at Columbia College and she was reading a book recently on indigenous humor yeah. um, and I don't I don't know if you uh, do you know Will Rogers I think most people know Will Rogers
0: oh yeah legend yeah
1: and, and American Indian yep like, I, no one knows that. Like in, yeah. in my, in my, in my world, no one knew that. Yeah. And, and he was, he didn't hide it either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he's not known for that. That's the thing. He, he, he transcended, you know, he became such an iconic figure that was almost like a, a, a postscript. Wow. Um, but he had a great sense. Of, I mean, our tribal communities have a great sense of humor. It was a survival mechanism. You know, when you go into tribal communities, I mean, the, the laughter, the playfulness, the, the ribbing each other is alive and well for a reason. It's what's allowed us to survive all the stuff we went through as tribal communities in this country, you know, for so many hundreds of years. And th- that's one of the things that I-, I think is so important when we talk about having that playful spirit or the power of laughter is, you know, what our elders have always said, laughter is medicine. It truly is. I mean, books are being written now on the power of laughter, the power of joy, the power of play. Um, there's some great stuff being written now that just back up what our elders have been saying through millennia, you know, is laughter is medicine. It truly is. And we need it. We need more of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, and many cultures have been saying this. This is, this is I mean, their, laughter yoga goes back eons in in asian communities and and yeah. that was always and and in the writings of the buddha are like they're funny there's like funny stuff there um i know. And so uh, yeah that that's... and again
0: people take it so seriously they sometimes forget the funny yeah. they want they want something to be you know so you know um somber and heavy and and powerful things can be hilarious and powerful too yeah, you know, we just have to be able to allow it that space, uh, you know, to, to be so
1: there, there was a, um, I think it was Suzuki who said these things are so there, these things are too serious, not to be joked about. Um, you know, <laughs> the, this, this idea of like, well, and that's, that's yin and yang. That's, that's, that's the duality that your culture talks about that I think men, yeah. many do that I think is for many us living in this time should be deeply apparent. I mean, I'm, You know, I'm looking at my. I'm working from home day because it was too hot at Second City, uh, the office, because it's like 95 in Chicago. Um, But it's beautiful and sunny, and I get to have a cool conversation with someone. And after this, I have another conversation, and then get to cook a meal with my wife, and like all that. That's terrific. And I'm desperately avoiding news and TV. Yeah, with with, with that, these things are both true at the same time.
0: Yes. And they, and, and they absolutely can be. And that's the thing is we, we get so locked in lockstep where it has to be this way or that way. Yeah. And in those moments, we lose flexibility. You know, it just, it, we're reminded of that over and over again until we get it. Um, uh, but life is all about balance. I mean, that's a, that's a tribal philosophy that uh, is in every tribe I've worked with. There's a day for night, joy for pain, uh, into every life. You're going to have your victories. You're going to have your stumbles. That's part of the deal. And when we try to desperately avoid the balance, uh, we lock ourselves in to, you know, trying to avoid one thing and we end up bringing more of it into our life.
1: Uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you for a yesan story. But before I do that, I'm a little I want to talk about transforming into an elder. And part of the reason I want to do this is um, le- like I'm the oldest guy at Second City, like pr- uh, pr- pretty much at this, at this point, I you know, because the, the talent that comes in is perpetually young. And I was a very young person when I started there. I was tw- 21. Okay. Um, Uh, But last week, twice at the grocery store, uh, younger women uh, accidentally ran into me with their carts and, and they were very apologetic and very, and I realized, oh, they thought they hurt an old person. (laughs) This is like, and so
0: I've really been. That's a story you're telling yourself, Kelly. See, we're back to that thing again. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that is a story I've been telling myself supported by other people who (laughs) love to laugh and make me feel insecure about my age. Um, (laughs) But talk to us about, because you say tribal warriors never retired. Right. So, so if they're not retiring, what, what, what are they doing?
0: Transition. Transition into that, into that elder role where we are sharing our hard-fought wisdom that we've gathered throughout our, our life and our journey, and we're being able to share that with others uh, because that's what our elder's role was all about. It was to gather as much good stuff about how life works, how it could work even better, um, the things that are, again, that, that get us results in life, and be able to share that with the people coming up behind us. You know, their goal was not to collect that information, to hoard it, uh, to use it as a weapon, to use it as a, to something to show off about it was gathered so that they could share it with their people so that they could benefit everybody. That was the whole role. And, you know, no matter what we do in, in life, uh, no matter how hard it gets, how long we've been doing it, uh, I can make one guarantee, uh, you won't be doing it forever. Hmm. Yeah. At some point we're going to pass the baton to somebody else and and if we really want to make the world a better place uh hopefully that baton is in better hands than our own and that doesn't happen automatically that only happens with active mentorship um and by design you know and, and so that's one of the things i think is uh, it's one of the best teachings i think we have in our tribal communities we respect our elders we look at people that are getting older not as something that someone who is less than but somebody who is elevated they've transcended. I mean, they're, you know, our physical attributes change over time, but what we can't see as clearly is all the things that are being gathered and concentrated as we get older. And, and it makes us more and more powerful, more and more impactful as we go. And that's one of the things that I love about our, our tribal community is we still honor our elders uh, as the precious and priceless treasures that they are.
1: Yeah. And that's certainly something that doesn't Um, loom large in Western cultures and and many European cultures, which
0: is, which is, we focus on different stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's, that's such a, I mean, we put so much attention in our babies, you know, and our kids as, as, as we should, and not realizing that that's just the same at the other end of the spectrum. And it's different, but it's a very similar. It's like, those are the places where you want to put a lot of your attention and care. Tenderness. Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, all right. We always ask our guests for a yes and story. I feel like your life is a giant yes and story. Uh, do, do you got one maybe that you could give
0: us? Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give you one. It was, a, it was really significant. I had a lot. That's why I said this was a tough question. Yeah. And some of them worked out and some of them didn't. And you learn through both. But one of the yes ands that I, I will never regret is saying yes to going out on my own and starting my own business, uh, leaving the military. Uh, It was terrifying. It was the only life I knew. Uh, I grew up in a military family. My dad was in for 21 years. I grew up at the end of a runway as as a military brat. And then I went into the Air Force Academy after high school and then was a commissioned officer for almost 10 years. So getting out to me was a completely different world. And getting out to start a business that had no game plan, save the one I was creating as I went, was especially terrifying, you know, because when you leave the military at the 10 year point, you get no benefits, you get a handshake and a salute and thank you for your mm-hmm. service. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Uh, I remember the week and a half before I turned in my paperwork, I started to question the whole decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I kept thinking, you know, I, not with this, but here. And it was I look back on that now is I'm so grateful. I said yes. And uh in that moment because it was so tempting to go never mind right. i'll stay where i am it's comfortable it's structured it's secure yeah. but it but saying yes and uh I, again took a boundary and that i was able to break out of and everything changed after that in in ways that i still look back on and kind of pinch myself
1: yeah i mean it's almost a vision quest
0: quality to to that because you're 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 out there and you have got nothing <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And there and there's more. you know, there's a healthy motivation of fear going on there, but but it also made me realize that there's two quotes that I really loved during that time in my life that hopefully people will benefit from when they hear them. I, I don't know who the originator was, but the the first one was leap and the net will appear. Mm-hmm. Uh I wholeheartedly believe in that because when we step in and we are all in into the thing that we do, the results we get are completely different than we're halfway doing it. Uh, or then when we're halfway doing it. And the second quote is, is jump and grow your wings on the way down. Mm-hmm. And I love that one. Mm-hmm. Cause man, like I said, there's nothing more motivating than knowing this is, this is the direction I'm taking. I'm all in and I got to make this work. You know, it's amazing the reserves that we can tap, you know, that, that warrior spirit really comes alive in those moments when we are now hard pressed to, to make this stream a reality. That's right. The book is called The Warrior Within,
1: Own Your Power to Serve, Fight, Protect, and Heal. DJ Vaness, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Kelly. I really appreciate it.
1: The Getting to Yes And podcast is produced by The Second City and WGN Radio. We are supported at The Second City by Mike Farinaccio and Colleen Fahey. Our show is produced by Andrew Harris at WGN. The music that you hear at the beginning and end of the podcast is by Jukebox The Ghost. If you're interested in knowing more about The Second City, you can log on to secondcity.com or email us at works at secondcity.com.